Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is August 25th, 2022, and this is episode 349. My name is Jake English. And this is Alan Smith. That's right. Scott and I continue to pass like ships in the night in the crazy summer that is 2022. And in his absence, I am thrilled to be joined by a former Baltimore Sports Report Network sister wife podcaster, Alan Smith. Alan, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on 349 episodes. That is, when I stop and think about, uh, I think y'all got started at about the same time as we did Baltimoreans, uh, and I think you have now lapped us uh, and are a full 162 episodes ahead of where we are. <laughs> Look, I, I know we've talked about this in the past, but you just, I mean, you just picked it a scab. And so I would like to, again, express my frustration with you as a person, with your podcast as a entity for two things. Uh, but really, um, it's the same. And, and the first, the first is that you're better than us. And that frustrates me. Um, I tell people all the time that Baltimore Ons <laughs> is my favorite Orioles podcast and I create one. Uh, but the second thing that I'm really frustrated about is that we started in April of 2012, and I think you guys started in February of 2012. Oh, we picked you by a month, huh? And the reason I know <laughs> this is that I looked for podcasts and blogs called Baltimoreans because I thought that would be a really great name for a podcast, and you jerks <laughs> thought of it first by like by like a by like a whistle. Well, you know, but the, I think at some point there should be a statute of limitations on us saying to keep that name. Like, is it like over under one episode per year before we have to give it back to the common domain or what? I feel like you guys have the IP. And at this point, <laughs> you know, I don't want to mess with that. I frankly, you know, with the brand of politics that you guys use on that on that podcast, I know that you would sue us. In <laughs> That's the right. That's right. Ex Extraordinary litigiously, litigious over there in Baltimore, Island. That's true. Uh, Alan, in all seriousness, it is a delight to have you on the program. Believe it or not, you and you and Sam were the first guests on Bird's Eye View. Oh, that's uh, That was billed as a special episode because you know we figured out how the phone worked. We were really excited. Yeah. Hey, look, this was this was more than like nine years ago. That was like cutting edge podcasting material let's be fair more than one feed simultaneously a single channel that's not not for not for scott and not for sam but for <laughs> us all right so here we are on this week's show we're going to as we indicated mix a lack of insight and baseless opinion with a perspective of the all-weather fan and we'll also try to map uh the orioles in their progress in their hero's arc, I feel that the arc perhaps has taken a bit of a wobble this week, but we'll check in on how our boys are doing. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Alan, what is it you're drinking this evening? I have a delightful uh, Wave Chaser IPA. It's, uh, it's a Montauk. Um, I'm out on Long Island right now. I'm not in my usual Brooklyn haunts, and so we're close to Montauk. So, you know, we're just drinking as much Montauk as we can get our hands on. All right. Nice. Nice. 
Uh, I myself am drinking an Excellent Adventure IPA. This is from the Calvert Brewing Company. I would call this pretty okay. Solidly okay. This the the Montauk has become like synonymous with summer in my brain. It's the 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 Wave Chaser is really good, and the um, what's the other one? I guess they're just their regular old Blue Pilsner. Excellent, excellent beers. Okay, I'll look, I'll look for it uh, in the beverage stores of my choosing. Um, if you're looking to see what we are drinking on a daily, weekly, or hourly basis uh, during the work week, uh, <laughs> go ahead and find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. Scotty's at M A G N eight six zero six. And Alan, do you brag about your uh, beverages online? I don't. Uh, too much um, connection with the work week. You know, you want to keep that stuff on the DL when you're when you're doing that that so Tuesday we, at, at at two p.m. So we have to find you in person to find That's out. Right. About That's right. That's right. You heard it here, folks. Alan Smith is asking you to stalk him online, find his location, and go ask him about his beverage. Sure. Come on down. We have an extra, uh, extra IPA. All right. With that, we're going to go ahead and see how things are going in the medical way. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Alan, things are actually pretty okay, knock on wood, in the Orioles' medical wing at the moment. Uh, Big news. Big news in Birdland. And that, of course, is that Travis Lakin Sr. gave up three runs and a hit and two walks in one inning in his rehab uh, appearance in AA Bowie uh, on August 25th. I I can't tell you how important to the organization that bit of news is. But... But but for serious though, I I know that I know that this is like something that I have emotionally done, maybe uh, at, at least twice a year for my entire adult life. But I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited for another arm to come out and and not be injured. I'm getting excited for Grayson Rodriguez. I'm I'm talking myself into it. My hope, my heart. It's 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 coming. He's coming. He's gonna be the real deal. Listen, I I I agree that Grayson Rodriguez is gonna be the real deal in his career. Uh, I don't want to be a wet blanket on your excitement for Grayson Rodriguez in 2022. Um, however, <laughs> what I can tell you is that in 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 my story, I'm accustomed to our heroes not being able to have nice things. And uh, being being robbed of John Means on this team mm. and being robbed of Grayson Rodriguez once already. I'm 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 uh, Missouri at this point. I'm in the show me state as far <laughs> as whether or not Grayson Rodriguez can come in and be helpful, uh, healthy and helpful. So, you know, you be excited. You do you. I don't I don't want to I don't want to rain on your parade in your on your Orioles World Series parade, but um, color me skeptical. You know, it's remarkable to me when I stop and think about it how much Adley has like uh, ruined my previous like compass for 
excitement around prospects. Cause it was like for like 10 years, I feel like, I mean, I get, I get there, there are outliers here, but my general feeling about all those prospects was like, Oh, that's exciting. He's going to get hurt. Oh, that, 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 that sounds <laughs> enjoyable. When's the surgery? And, and mm-hmm. for like this one beautiful moment in time, number one, number one. And he actually like not only survived to the majors, but is everything that we have come to know and love about Adley. It's just like, now I just assume that everybody else who pops up, like, I, I, I just assume that, you know, Gunner is going to come up and immediately do like, you know, three or four wins above replacement in the next 10 games. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's totally skewed. My entire understanding of prospects is skewed. I'll say two things about that. The first is that uh, Kyle Stowers has not had the Adley experience. Like we're 3-0 and with him in starting lineup. That is true. And, you know, may that continue forever. But it's funny because I, I was just talking to my son about this when he was, he was surprised. Like, wait a minute, that guy's three for 20? I said, yeah, it's almost as if rookies, when they, got, when they get brought up, sometimes have to adjust to the majors and don't have instant world-class success. Uh, the, the other thing, and, and this is so unfair, and I, this guy is going to get dragged by comparison for the rest of eternity, and I apologize. But do you feel, is there any part of you that feels like we're getting what we were promised with Weeders? Oh, a hundred percent. This is, this is, this is the Weeders that we were promised. It's right. just that, and like, you know. Those expectations are not his fault, right? No. Like, I, I don't begrudge Weeders for any of that. And he was a very good player in his own right. Like, he was he was a good, good enough, right? But what we are seeing now, that's what we... That's what we were told. Switch hitting Jesus, <laughs> that's you know? That's what we were told. Power with power. I mean, and, and the... His, his eye. I mean, like, the, the, the man, the man yeah. takes walks. It's... It, I, I feel like he already looks at the plate like weeders five years in in the sense that like he he is he is measured and he is looking for his pitch and he's not trying he's like the only non three true outcomes dude we got it's it's beautiful i i'm i'm completely in love with adley regiment i also love you know his love and and yeah. that sounds dumb but like you know, in his first game, it was evident that things were going to be different. I love that he greets his pitchers coming off the mound, right? I love that he he does that. I love the fact that he goes out and gives a hug at the end of the game. Like, he just, you know, he's a lover, not a fighter. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I, second reference in five minutes, I promise not to talk about my kid the whole time. My son, Henry, is a catcher. Um, ah, and, bless. you know, now that Adley's here, it's like, yeah, watch that. Yeah, watch all of that. Soak it. all of that up. Right. Everything. The other thing about everything here is brilliant. Do all of this. Right. Right. The other thing I, I have come to really uh, adore about Adley's play is his receiving behind the plate. Right. He has stolen a lot of strikes for us. And uh, yeah. So anyway, that's much like uh, Travis Lakin Sr. and Grayson Rodriguez here <laughs> in the medical wing. Well, and 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 may, and may he never never need to grace the medical wing no, in any serious no. way. Because it's the only reason we'll mention him is because he will break uh, hearts everywhere. That's right. I think Sam. I think Sam made this point on Twitter. It wasn't me, but uh, that that the somewhere some someone is recording all of those at the end of inning pitcher moments, and they're going to make the most amazing video 
of just a compilation of those moments ever. And I just want to say, like, whoever you are in the depths of the warehouse and, like, you know, whatever intern is tasked with putting that together, we see you. We appreciate you. God bless. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. All right. The medical wing is pretty empty there besides. Uh, the only other note uh, that I would make is that Tyler Wells uh, completed a bullpen session on Tuesday. Uh, you know, I-, I would love to have that guy back. Uh, I'm a big believer in Tyler Wells, you know, in some role on this club. Scotty and I have talked ad nauseum about whether or not he's a starter. You know, this club is going to need a number five guy at some point, uh, you know, when when they're competing for a World Series. If that's not his role, he's abs- he's going to be wicked uh, in the pen. You know, I, I think that his his floor is a Brad Brock type of guy. Ah, um, Brad Brock. And so I'm, I'm, I haven't thought about that man in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also I said it wrong, uh, but that, no, that's, a, that's a Baltimore. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the medical wing, uh, nice and quiet. We're gonna keep it that way, but we are gonna skip ahead uh, to the next thing, which is this week on the Twitters as we explore Orioles baseball at 280 characters or, or fewer. I'm gonna go ahead and get started this week with a tweet that comes to us from Birdland Rebuilders, who tweet at Birdland U. Who knew Orioles Twitter would be more miserable when the team is winning than it was when the team was losing? Weird. Hashtag Birdland. And Alan, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I've got a lot of strong feels about this in the fact that there are a lot of people who are making what should be the most fun stretch of Orioles baseball in five years incredibly unfun in the digital uh, environment. You know, um, he's sort of a persona non grata now, and I know we're not supposed to evoke his name after his cancellation, but uh, love the art, hate the artist. There's this Louis C.K. bit, everything is amazing and nobody is happy, where he's on a late night show and he's talking about like this guy sitting next to him on an airplane, and for the very first time there's Wi-Fi on the airplane, and the guy like gets there and doesn't work, he's like, oh, this is this is terrible. I hate everything. And Louis's like, "What happened next, you? Did you fly magically through the air as you sat doing absolutely nothing?" This is how I feel about Orioles Orioles Twitter these days. It's like it's like th- th- this is this is so glorious. Every the, just just to get like just to just to be able to kvetch about whether or not Odor should have been asked to bunt, like j- what. What a what a joyful experience! What what a, how how much how much love and light and laughter is there in just getting to care about whether what Odor is doing in the eighth inning? I, I you would ask me six months ago, I I had him booked for uh, not caring at all one way or the other what that man did because I thought he was you know we were two years away from being two years away still and. What a what a joyful experience! Yeah. Calm down, Orioles Twitter. It's going to be fine. There's no reason. You're, it's all house money, baby. It's it's great. You know, I, it's really funny you say like house money because I've I've seen some folks say, oh well, you know, if you're just happy to be here, that's a loser's mentality. Nope. No, <laughs> I know what a loser's mentality is, <laughs> and that's picking up the remote the control. Is watching right. the Orioles last it's year. It's picking up the remote control and turning mass and off. That is a loser's mentality. Somebody somebody takes a lead in the third inning, and I say, I know this game is over. I'm done. 
And so this season, when we get to the bottom of the ninth inning and the last out is recorded and we lose three to two and I'm bummed, I had a reason to watch the whole game. Oh, it feels so good to feel again. Right. And, and, <laughs> and I, I really feel like we're, we're missing the fact that that's significant. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And, and, and two people who would say like, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of this, especially on Orioles Twitter and actually, especially right after the trade deadline. I feel like that was when this, this particular like line of. Oh, no, thought. no, no. I think people handled that really well. <laughs> yeah, to- totally rationally and 100% correctly. But this whole like, if you're not playing for a chip, then what are you even doing? I get it. Like the point of sports is to win. And the point of like major league sports is to win the, the championship at the end of the rainbow. But if you just like, just travel back in time two years to when we were in fact losing Buster Olney's a hundred games every single season. And like the feeling of just disengagement that it was such a chore to even get to the place where I was invested in a single player because we knew that they weren't going to be around and we knew they didn't matter. Like that feeling to me is so much more important than whether or not we win the World Series because like, I don't know, I'm turning 40 this year, man. I only have so many more years of watching baseball left. I would much prefer that those years are spent watching a team that I can invest in care about, engage with in some way. I'm going to challenge your assertion, okay? And I know it's not your assertion, but the one you just represented, <laughs> that the the purpose of playing sports is is to win the games and, and win a right. championship. And really, I think it's been proven rather clearly that the point of sports is to get as many dollars out of my wallet <laughs> and into the hands of the billionaires that run the sport. True, 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 true. And to that, I would say the Orioles are doing... Um, some remarkable double things uh, <laughs> in how they are they're marketing themselves and trying to get our monies. So one one thing that you uh, flagged that I was also very excited about uh, was coming out of um, the on, on the on the the heels of the Little League Classic, which we'll be talking about in a little while um, at MLB, noting that our very own Cedric Mullins saying he's all in. Team USA at the World Baseball Classic, so he will be wearing the uh, red, white, and blue. Pretty excited that uh, an Oriole is deemed <laughs> deemed worthy, but also is like picking up that mantle and going to go represent us. That's fun stuff. So, do you do you enjoy the World Baseball Classic? I will confess to you that I don't really pay attention to it. But here's why: I am your absolutely stereotypical baseball fan in 2022 in that it has gone entirely regional for me. I don't really know what's happening in the National League right now. And I don't particularly, uh, like, I, I, I have become that person who tracks my team and maybe sometimes teams that are in direct competition to my team. But I don't particularly zoom out. And the World Baseball Classic is a, a step too far zoomed out for me. But the fact that Mullins is going to be there, and it's in the same way that, like, the All-Star game is more fun when my guys are in it uh, like that, than, than possibly. So I don't think there's any fault, by the way, in what the, the type of fandom you just described for baseball. I think that's actually one of the things that makes baseball different than a lot of other sports, yeah, right? That's true. Um, and I think it, it, it's it's healthy in many ways, in, in a way that is not in other sports. 
Um, but here's what I'll say about the World Baseball Classic. I actually do dig it, but I dig the World Baseball Classic in the same way that I dig the Olympics and the same way I dig the World Cup, which is, you know, it only comes around every once in a while. It only requires my attention for a short window of time, uh, and then it's gone. Right. Um, and and, you know, once they had booted baseball from the Olympics, the, the World Baseball Classic was, you know, the stand in uh, right. for that. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I like it. I, I think it's cool that that said is going to represent the United States. Yada, 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 yada. All right. Uh, next on this week on the Twitters, we have a tweet from Zachary Silver. This is actually two. I'm going to cheat. Uh, the scene at Felix Bautista's locker post-game, a signed hat from a little leaguer over the weekend, still present, and a bright orange player of the game belt up top. And then the follow-up tweet is a picture, uh, courtesy of Felix Bautista's Instagram account, of Felix Bautista holding a gigantic uh, wrestling-style <laughs> uh, championship belt. Let me ask you this. Is there any team in the league that accessorizes better than the Orioles? You got belts, you got chains, you got goggles. Uh, you got binoculars yeah. for days. Yeah, what's not the love, right? No, I think I think that they, uh, to, to your previous point about um, the the ability of professional sports to um, do what Mel Brooks calls in Spaceballs merchandising, uh, I, I I love I love that the Orioles are um, merchandising everywhere, but you know I can't even go buy those things. I love I love that it feels like like delightfully, and maybe this is the first time uh, for all of you um, fans out there who have not listened to a Baltimoreans podcast before, where I tip my hat a little bit, but. I, I really enjoy the anti-capitalist capitalism of it all. <laughs> you know, you can't go buy that Orioles uh, chain in, in any Orioles store oh, yet. Oh, yeah, you uh, can. I'm sure you, oh, yes, no, you, can. you can. You can't do it in Brooklyn, <laughs> sir, but you can do it here in the land of pleasant living. Oh, man. Official Orioles merch? Oh, or, yes. Uh, oh, knockoffs. Yes. Oh, well, forget that then. Yep. Can you get the belt? But that I have not seen. All right. All right. I'll, I'll hold on to that. <laughs> what, what I love about all this, though, is that the clubhouse is clearly full, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Winning, like winning fixes everything, right? Like winning is a, is a medicine that, that cures all ills. But it really does seem like if we have guys in this club that are going to be part of the next great Orioles team, it looks like this is going to be a quality clubhouse for the extra pieces and, you know, the kids to come into. I, I really do feel like... Little little things like this are the things that make me say, I can see the beginning of winning culture happening here, not just winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it feels um it it feels like everybody is all in, and you know, I um I wonder. Well, what what are your what are your reflections on now? I guess like eighteen twenty games uh, post Trey Mancini. Like on the on the like the kerfuffle, the dust up around him being traded, about people being worried about the clubhouse. Like, does it change your reflections on him now to know that not only did we not fall off a cliff, the Orioles have continued to win, but also it feels like the culture has stayed strong. Like, it, it still feels like people are having a good time. What does that change for you in your 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 rearview mirror on Trey? I think. Um... First of all, I'm delighted that Trey is 
on a team that's going to contend to go to the World Series. I'm delighted yeah. that he is contributing there and having a good experience. He deserves every bit of that. Um, same, same. And I will say with all the respect that I can muster that people that were saying loudly, abrasively, and pointedly that the loss of Trey Mancini was going to be a problem in the clubhouse were describing more accurately their feelings than the feelings <laughs> of anybody who wears orange and black. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think highly enough of the guys that are that are still there that, you know, I'm not saying that the loss of Trey Mancini is not a loss. I'm saying it is not one that kills a magical Cinderella-style right. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that also he was part of creating some kind of culture that can live on and past. Yes. Yeah, it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see that, I mean, the team looking like they're they're having fun. All right, last tweet from this week on the Twitters comes to us, of course, from Matt Kremnitzer, who tweets at Matt Kremnitzer. It's Matt Kremnitzer Corner here in uh, this week on the Twitters. He's a, <laughs> uh, he's a constant fixture. Bold prediction for tonight's game, Matt tweets out on August 25th at 5.07 p.m. Fans will get mad at Brandon Hyde. Um, yeah, Solid. yeah, absolutely. Safe bet. Money in the bank. Uh, Brandon Hyde is, is not a perfect manager and he is not above uh, criticism period. Uh, that, that should have a long pause afterward. And now that I've given that pause, I will say, but come on guys, come on. We have talked on this show, uh, about, you know, not really being able to sure not being sure how to judge Brandon Hyde when he had a terrible team. You know, how do, how do we know yeah. if, this, if this guy is a real major league manager if he doesn't have a real major league team? At this point, you know, he is getting uh, exposed in the areas where he's weak and he's being exposed for the areas that he's strong in a team that is, you know, at least on paper, competing for a wild card spot or complete, competing for a playoff spot when everybody, myself included, expect them to lose in the triple digits. Um, first and foremost, I mean, just at a high level, what do you think of Brandon Hyde as a major league manager? I am still caught up in the optimism of all this. I, I don't think that, like, I, I guess I guess the, the, the answer to that question is that I still drink the Orioles Kool-Aid. Like, uh, when the messaging was, we have to wait and see because this guy doesn't have any players. I looked at our roster and I said, that is true. This guy doesn't have any players. Uh, and now I would have said at the beginning of the season, this guy doesn't have any players. And he has overseen the thing we were just talking about on that last tweet. He's overseen the rise of a culture. He's overseen the rise of like people doing amazing, overperforming any expected versions of what they were going to do. So, I kind of thought Brandon Hyde, when he was hired, was supposed to be like numbers guy. He's supposed to come to us because that's who Mike Elias is, and that's who the Orioles are now. We're a, we're a you know a, a Astros East, and we're gonna do everything super statistic driven and all that stuff. But then it turns out to me like the the story of the season is that Brandon Hyde, amazing man manager. That's a, a term you know you get from soccer all the time, but like. He's done amazing things in getting people to come together in this crazy 162-game season. And that, to me, is like so much more important than whether or not he gets the right rotation call. Like 
the only way that this team does anything is if they are one plus one equals seven. Like that, you have to massively overperform the sum of the parts. Uh, and I think that like that intangibles, man management, ability to get a bunch of people believing in something, it surprises me that that's his bag. But it seems like a kind of his bag. So as as long as he's able to do that, then I can sweat the decisions that I may not particularly agree with about who's coming out of the bullpen or like when Odor is pinch hitting and, you know, I'm really picking on Odor tonight, but like, you know, for good reason. Right, right. Because you understand <laughs> how baseball works. How about you? Are you, are you currently pro, pro Hyde, con Hyde? So I, I am pro Hyde. Here's the thing. I, I think he's imperfect. I think he makes mistakes and I think that he, has done things that have cost wins. Mm. But I also, you know, and and we've talked about this in the past, when you look at a Major League Baseball season, the manager can maybe really impact like six wins Mm. over the course of a season, I think. And the rest of it is on the players, right? Um, And so, yeah, there have been things that he's done that have absolutely cost this team. But they are well, in in my estimation, overshadowed by the great things that he has done for the team, including all the things that we can't see inside that clubhouse, you know, that have created the environment that has the Orioles overperforming ahead of schedule. And so, yeah, I I think that he is the man for this moment. Mm -hmm. I don't have any way of knowing if he's going to be the man for the next moment, which is when the Orioles are good and competing for a World Series. That window that we've just opened. Yeah. Can you I, take us through the window? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Um, do I think he should be given that chance? I do. I yeah. Do. I think that when you sign on for a project like he's signed on for to get us to this point, yeah, I, I think so. All right. So let me uh, let me go ahead and, and wrap it there. That that was everything the internet had in store for us for the entire week. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let and when we come back We'll go around the bases this week in Orioles baseball. All right, Alan, here we go. It's your first uh, opportunity to go around the bases here on Bird's Eye View. A couple of quick topics, as if any conversation between you and I could be quick. Uh, <laughs> but let's start at first base. And I want to talk a little bit about the 2023 schedule. First of all, I'm just going to I'm gonna start with an acknowledgement of my own absurdity. Um <laughs> Look, I got on the Twitters uh, yesterday, the day before, whenever this came out. I, I got on the Twitters and I emoted into the void um, and whined about the fact that opening day will again be away and that the cathedral of Major League Baseball that is Oriole Park at Camden Yard will be sitting idle for the fifth straight opening day. Um, you know, I may have intimated the fact that this was about mass and money and it was a uh, major league baseball, an organization that is in 
open litigation against uh, your Baltimore Orioles, uh, you know, sticking its its thumb at the nose of the Orioles, you know, much as they do with the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that emoting felt good. It felt <laughs> right. It, um, you know, it, expressing it in a way that, um, like, a tantrum got attention. You know, it, it fed all of the feels that I was feeling at that moment. And sweet, then, sweet dopamine bump. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I had another moment where some folks pointed out to me, Dylan Atkinson uh, being chief among them, saying that, it, you know, if this season had started on time, uh, that the Orioles would have opened up here at home, <laughs> and that if 2020 had, in fact, you know, existed, um, that the Orioles would have started at home then, too. And so well, I just so want to all, say... All, all that Dylan is saying is that the conspiracy goes deep. <laughs> like, real deep. So you're telling me that both international health strike <laughs> and labor issues were all pushed toward robbing the Orioles of opening day. Look, look, I, I, I don't I don't make the rules. I just report on them. Uh, look, so I may I may have over emoted. <laughs> I know that I know that's not like me. I know that that sounds out of character, but I may have, um, you know, I may have gotten over my skis or however that expression goes as far as um, being in the fields. But I will say in my own defense and that Jake English guy, he's a great guy. You should listen to him. But I will say. <laughs> in my own defense, that Camden Yards is a treasure. It, it is. is It is just a wonderful backdrop for baseball. It is one of the best views that baseball has to promote its game, and it should never, ever be empty on a day that baseball is celebrating a return from cold winters. I'm with you. I mean, and and look, you know, there are lots of other parks. Wrigley, Fenway, Petco, PNC. Like, those are the same way, right? But Camden Yards is absolutely on that list. And if you're, if you, you know, if you've got a problem with that uh, other baseball team, go build yourself a better park. You can do that. It's fine. We don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So this all, this all came about um, because the new schedule was released for, 2023 and you know i just i would ask you off the top well one did you see this come through and and if so did you have any uh, reactions or as i did feels about it (laughs) um i i didn't particularly clock the uh the opening dayness of it all um but i i I was i was interested and i continue to be somewhat interested in the, the overall expansion of um, games against the the National League, um, and I, I uh, I've sort of done a weird 180 on that. I think I used to be a purist, and now I've like leaned into and am enjoying watching them play. And I think it came like watching us play the National League teams. And I think it comes from like uh, my burgeoning um, soccer fandom because I love. Premier League soccer and I've gotten really into Premier League soccer and one of the things that comes with that territory is like these Premier League teams going and playing in Europe so every so very rarely often an English team will get to play against my Tottenham Hotspur will get to play against uh, Juventus or Barcelona or Bayern Munich and these are like sort of storied other clubs that I've heard a lot about 
And that's kind of how I now feel about the National League games. Because, like, I'm not really paying attention to those people at all. I don't really know, like, what's happening in Pittsburgh these days. Apparently, they got somebody who hits the ball really, really hard. I don't know. Whatever. But, like, I'm not going to really pay attention to O'Neill until they come to Camden and I get to watch them play there. So I'm kind of enjoying that bit. So that expansion, I, I like that. That seemed like a cool, a cool new wrinkle. I, th- I think that's great to grow the sport, right? And, yeah. And, again, there is 100% nothing wrong with having the local-slash-regional approach to the game. I, I have no objection. But there is so there are so many great players that Man. we are not seeing here. You know, in Baltimore because they play in the National League, and I and I think that being able to get access to all those are is just great. And the other thing is that you know it opens up the opportunity for folks that that plan trips around the baseball team. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not one of them, but I know there are people that do that to have really cool trips on the book now. You know, I I know that San Diego is a is a great locale. Uh, the stadium's amazing, uh, and, and so. You know, we have three away games in August next year against San Diego. You know, that that's something that people should should circle. I I I, I think it is it's going to be cool. I, I'm looking forward to it. I do think a little bit that San Diego is wasted in August. Like go to San Diego any other time of the year because it's going to be the exact same. It's going to be beautiful. But August is kind of like nice everywhere else. Unlucky. <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> now all of that is available to us because we are going to play fewer games against our AL East rivals next season. Instead of the 18 or 19 games that it is now, it's going to be 12 or 13. I think that's exciting because that helps the Orioles probably more than any other team in the league. (laughs) And particularly if next year is going to be the year that, that, you know, it's liftoff and uh, we're going to be in it to win it. Uh, could not be any more fortuitous. Yeah, for sure. Let's stay away from AL East teams whenever we can. The rivalry is fine, but, like, it's such a grind, man. Like, that's so many games against Tampa. Yeah. I'm just so tired of Tampa Bay. Tired of everything about them. It's all of them. Because, you know, like, even when the Red Sox are terrible, it's still like Fenway is a house of horrors and late innings. You know, it's just, yeah. that's just a thing that happens. I don't know how. But yeah, so I, I I agree with you. I think that the uh, National League club is interesting. Just the way the schedule works out, though, we don't see everybody home and away. Right. Uh, so I think over you know a course of X years, I don't know how many it is, you know, you'll eventually yeah. see yeah everybody home and away. Um, and and I think yeah, that'll that'll be great. So some good things. Um, you know some some things to make me. Uh, you know, uh, cry into the void of the internet. Uh, so the, the <laughs> schedule is, is all good. Let's uh, go ahead and skip to second base. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Little League Classic. Now, you know, I've mentioned I have a kid who plays baseball. So uh, Little League Classic is actually, I, I just, I love everything about it. I, I think the Little League World Series is cool. And so I like the fact that Major League Baseball has, you know, got involved and, you know, has a whole day where, where they kind of celebrate Little League. Uh, did you check in any? Do you check in any of that, like in general? And if so, did you catch this year? Uh, I did. I love it. I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, I think that the like, um, there's like a 
schmaltzy kind of thing with Little League Classic and with the Field of Dreams field and like I but I, I, I it it works for me. Uh I don't know exactly why. Um I, I guess I feel like I don't like it so much and when other leagues do it. And I can't exactly put my finger on that. Like I, I'm not sure why I don't like the game that the hockey players play outdoors or like I guess I guess I'm okay with that one too. But like I, I, I like the changes of setting and I like the, the, the different things. I was shocked that, that was the first national broadcast game to go back to your previous point about MLB sticking their finger repeatedly in the Orioles' eyes in five years. Like that's shocking well, to me. To to their credit. It's the first time the Orioles have deserved to be seen by a national audience. <laughs> no, but come on, Kansas Yards, put us on national yeah. TV just okay. for the backdrop. I no, I enough. was I <laughs> was surprised it had been that long. I well, I guess it wasn't. I was like, oh wow, oh no, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but I was more surprised, and again, you know, call me a beaten down Orioles fan, but I was more surprised that the Orioles did not mess the bed in yeah. their first appearance on a nationally televised broadcast in five years. Like the script, the script was Orioles go on national TV. Orioles are noted for not having been there for so long because they've been terrible. Orioles are terrible that night. Like yeah. that's the and, script. And you, and you've got Buster only there doing the live look in from the dugout as we're getting shelled 13 to three. Right. Right. Exactly. That, that is how the night should have gone. And, Suck and it, somehow, <laughs> somehow didn't, somehow didn't. But uh, I, yeah. I agree. I, I think that the Little League Classic is is cool because like the whole day is about the joy of the game. The whole day is about these are the things that make baseball the best damn game there is, right? And and you know part of it is the joy of uh, that children take from the sport and what we, you know how much of that we still experience and how much of that we appreciate. Um, and, you know, it, everything from sliding down the hill and, you know, the players talking I to kids like that. and, and all of like, all of that hits me in all the right places. Right. Like be, be, just shoot it into my veins. Um, I think one interesting thing about baseball is that I don't, maybe because of the um, lack of sort of uh, like, the very thing that we're talking about here about um, players being marketed well and all that sort of stuff. I feel that um, baseball players are not as famous as your NBA players or your NFL players. And so it doesn't feel quite so much like a reach when I see them, like I see Adley just like clowning with a bunch of little leaguers. Like that feels like more manageable and approachable to me in a really nice, interesting way where I kind of feel like if that's Kevin Durant, like, it just doesn't work. Like he's too famous. There's no, there's no way for him to relate or connect somehow in like a, also he's seven feet tall. So it's just very confusing, but yeah, I don't know. I, there's something about the relative, um, almost anonymity of like an Adley Rutschman outside of Baltimore that make that possible. Well, you know, and the thing is, is that we, we talk about at least here on Bird's Eye View all the time about how, you know, baseball does a relatively poor job of marketing its players. Yeah. In, in a way that football and basketball have figured out, right? They they got all that. They they know and they do a good job with it. And I think that stuff like, you know, you mentioned the Field of Dreams, 
this Little League Classic, I think this is their attempt to, you know, correct some of that. And if this is the route they go, well, then, boy, howdy, that's that's the best. the best. Yeah. Ones. As you said, put it in my veins. It's great. I'm all in. Let's let's skip along to third base here. And um, I have a little bit of a thought experiment here. And I need I need somebody that's reasonable to weigh in. on this. <laughs> Um, You've come to the wrong place. You're you're the best that I got. So I need you to <laughs> I need you to you know t- touch that part of your brain that that brings the reason out. Um, I've heard a lot of people compare this season to you know the 2012 Orioles because that's the last experience that we have with a team that surprised us that shouldn't have been good but was right. And I think that this is in many ways an unfair. Uh, comparison. I, I don't think it's right for us to expect that this team is going to go toe-to-toe in five games with the Yankees and have our hearts ripped out of our chest because an umpire can't see a ball clearly hit a foul pole. Like, right, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but I think you bring that? We were having such a nice time. <laughs> Why would you bring that up? <laughs> Welcome to Bird's Eye View, Al. The thing that I think is, is a more apt comparison is Talking about these never-say-die 2022 Baltimore Orioles, the comeback kids, the cardiac kids, and comparing them to the uh, 1989 Why Not Orioles. Mm. You know, both teams were a surprise competitor after having an abysmal season. Uh, You know, a terrible season in 1988 that famously started with 21 consecutive losses and, and, you know, cost the manager his job. Um, and then with this team, you know, they had an abysmal season that started in 2017 and ended in 2021 um, of just terrible, terrible baseball. But it's weirder than that. We are recording here on August 25th. And before this game started here this evening, your Baltimore Orioles had played 123 games. And through 123 games, both the uh, Never Say Die 2022 Orioles and the Why Not 1989 Orioles had a record of 64 and 59. You get it. You get us. Now I'm not going to try to do it because my mic is not really working all that well, but you get a full on standing slow clap for me for the statistical uh, wherewithal to make that comparison and figure even figure out. I don't even know where you go to figure out how would he get what the record the, the 1989 Orioles had through 123 games. Bravo, sir. I'll tell Bravo. you, Scotty is, even more impressed and surprised when I do even the most basic <laughs> preparation for this show. That's not that. Yeah. My hat is off. One other thing I would say about this season and particularly recently when it's come to the broadcast is both this season and 1989 has been plagued by way too much Dave Johnson. <laughs> and I feel like we as Oreo fans have got to, have got to do something. about it. We, yeah. We, we deserve better, but I will say the difference Okay, the difference that I I hope there to be between 1989 and uh, 2022 is this. The win totals in the years that followed 1989, all right? 1990, it was 76 wins. 91, uh, it was 67 wins. It was a now, real flash in the pan. Right, 90, 92, they got up to 89. That's great. The following year was 85. The, the strike-shortened season, they were in first place, but it was 63 wins. And 95, they went back down to 71 wins before they made the playoffs back in, in 96. But you've got, what, six years there of, you know, being out in the wilderness again. The real question is, 
can these never say die Orioles turn this season of, you know, we don't know what it's going to be. But I think that I would be surprised, thrilled, but shocked if it came down to the last series of the season, the way it did in 89. And I would be even more shocked if they actually got in. Uh, But the difference is, can this team turn this season into a uh, stretch of winning seasons, right? Can this be the beginning of, you know, that next Oriole Way dynasty? Can this season be the launching point for something great? Will it indeed, Mike Elias, be? <laughs> Is that off? door open? Right. Yeah, I, I you know, I um, the my, my crystal ball is um, in the shop, but I do feel like... Um, as, as I wasn't, I wasn't as cognizant in 1989, uh, in terms of being able to like read, probably watch some Orioles games, but, uh, I don't think I had a real good sense of clubhouse morale, um, in quite the same way. But I do think that this team, they, just, they got something. I think, I think, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm a believer in the, in the window being open. In 1999, I, I I really liked the Orioles uniforms. You know, I, that's good. I was, that was my level of of. It's uh, a good start of analysis. Actually, somewhere in a, a house in Bradenton, Florida, there are cassette tapes that my grandparents had of me recording myself doing play by play live to Orioles games nice. on their like stack uh, stereo cabinet. Uh, system, you know, the one that had like the, uh, the, the receiver tape deck and then the, um, and then the turntable on top. Uh, I, I, next time I have the uh, ability to go down to Florida, uh, I, I hope to be able to look for those because that would be hilarious to grace the internet with. But that was the extent of my analysis of the, the ballpark. Good, good duds. And I desperately wanted to be John Miller. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, go to home plate here, and I want to talk a little bit about Felix Bautista, and I'm going to do so in a way that is unfair to my podcasting uh, compadre Scott Magnus. Uh, I'm going to mention um, I'm going to mention something that he tweeted out, and then I'm I'm going to uh, talk about it while he's not here to defend himself. But Scotty tweeted out that he thinks that Felix Bautista. Uh, is being overlooked in a way that he should get some shine for some Rookie of the Year attention for that which he has accomplished so far in 2022. And so uh, before I uh, open my big mouth about that, let me just ask you this. What do you think about Felix Bautista? And do you think that, you know, being in the conversation, at least for getting attention from Rookie of the Year uh, is a bridge too far? Uh, I think anyone who has revisited the Omar whistle, uh, I'm in. Okay. All right. They're speaking your language. Uh, I got, yes. I, I, I got that. That's all fun. I will say that he is incredibly fun to watch. You know, every time that he comes to the mound, it is an electric experience. And that is just the pitching part of it. You know, forget the whistle and the lights and all that kind of stuff. I love, I love all that, right? The, the Adley hugs at the end, that's, that's even better uh, because he's a monstrous human being. Love the fact that, you know, we're, we're now calling him the mountain because of uh, <laughs> Ben McDonald. But 
what he does with the baseball is incredibly uh, fun to watch. You know, the, the velocity is incredible. He's really not that wild, despite the fact that he just hit his first batter uh, earlier this week. But, you know, he seems to be able to at least partially locate that, you know, 102 ridiculousness. Uh, and then the 90-mile-an-hour the splitter is a wipeout in comparison. I guess the thing that I don't have a good frame of reference for is whether or not what we're seeing is the blossoming of a really great player who's going to be really great for a while or whether he's riding high, you know, whether the command of that ridiculous speed is sustainable, whether his ability for his right elbow to remain intact is sustainable, um, and whether or not, you know, the book might come out on him at some point for, you know, hey, can't do much on the 90-mile-an-hour splitter, but when you get the heat, you know, I don't mm. know. I I wonder. If he takes any shine off of presumptive Rookie of the Year Adley Rushman's campaign, I'm going to be furious, and I'm going to – I'm against the entire concept all of a sudden. Um, You know, I, I, I think that – I don't really understand how relief pitchers work, by which I mean like... You see, they I, come in after a starter <laughs> has left a game. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I don't, like, it is ineffable to me that Zach Britton could have been as good as he was for as long as he was and then essentially unable to get an out when he moves to New York. No, no, like, Zach Britton was totally effable. <laughs> He wasn't. He he was never after. Not at once. Uh, he just didn't get to pitch. I don't like. How is it that certain guys? Is it 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 seems to me like closing specifically and relief pitching in general is almost entirely a mental game. Like it's almost entirely about whether or not you believe that you are dominant. And I think one of the interesting things about someone like Bautista is he has not yet had a rough patch. And I think at some point he will. That is inevitable. Everyone does. And so the question about whether or not he's like, uh, whether his performance is sustainable, I mean, this is a very Allen answer, right? Because I have no idea whether the mechanics are any good or whether or not he's good at pitching. But I will say, like, mentally, it seems to me that the entire question for relief pitchers is once they get hit hard once or twice, are they still brave and can they still do the things that were making them good before or do they get in their own heads about it? And this dude appears to be insane. Like, he appears to be completely nuts. And I think that kind of helps. Like, I think that there is, like, a certain amount where, like, the Wild Thing character arc is a good one. And being able to just sort of, like, brush off, like, having a goldfish memory of your past bad outing is a valuable commodity uh, amongst relief pitchers. Um, so if you're ever going to ch- channel someone, channel Omar, man. What a great, what a great choice of of uh, psychopath uh, loons to make your your founding creation myth. Yeah, the team's marketing department did good work with that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I one of the things I I think I think is that <laughs> during the Duquette era, Duquette was really good at finding people either on the waiver wire, or what have you, who were gonna be really really helpful. For short periods of time, and um, you know the my, my the champion of my point is always Chaz Rowe, 
right? Mm. And Chaz Rowe was a guy who was like the best pitcher in baseball for three weeks, right? And <laughs> the reason that I bring this up is I think the the approach that the Elias regime has taken is that they will be able to find guys that have something that they can work with where they feel like for some period of time, we can make this guy a great pitcher. And if he doesn't get through, you know, being hit hard and coming back to it, I hope that they will be able to find the next Felix Bautista off of waivers. Yeah. So it's just, it's, you trust the system. Yeah. yeah I like that. I like yeah. that. All right. Well, we have, we have rounded the bases. Uh, Alan, congratulations. I would made say it that all was the way a- around. Maybe a record slow home run trot, and we're it, definitely going to get bean next time we come up to the plate. But that's it was fine. Ortiz-esque. You know, it was uh, <laughs> as long as you leave the phone alone when you get back to the dugout, I think you'll be okay. Uh, but what we are going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back, and we're going to see who won last week in Fantasy Boss and see if we can't screw this up again. And I just gotta keep insisting on the baby You sure do swing When it comes to kissing I just gotta keep insisting on daddy You are the king Baby, you've got me beat up and down Inside out and across Oh, yeah But in the middle of the night When the moon is shining bright You're the boss All right, you know what that music means, listeners. It means that all is right with the universe. Yes, once again, I have won Fantasy Boss, the statistical uh, perfection that is Fantasy Boss and my performance uh, yet again. Um, You know, last week we forgave Scott's Fantasy Boss debt as it was, um, well, it was not entered in in good faith. And we determined that it was predatory. And so we just, we forgave all of it. Uh, we wiped it away, and we said this this didn't really happen. So this week's category was Wit Runs Creative Plus for Anthony Santander. With the line at 100, Scotty said that he was going to be an above-average offensive player. He took the over. I was left with the under. And wouldn't you know it, Anthony Santander hit at a 93 Weighted Runs Creative Plus, just, just under. And so... Uh, that's it. I, I take the I take the win this week. The score tightens to four to three in Scott's favor, and here we are set with another opportunity to um, be unfair to Scott. And so, Alan, you are going to play this week in Scott's stead. I'm going to pick the category, and I'm I'm just going to do it very simply. Uh, you and I were talking off mic just a second ago about Kyle Stowers' first major league home run. Couldn't have come at a better time. Could not have come at a better time. Could not have happened to a nicer guy for a nicer fan base. Uh, and so I'm I'm going to go with chalk. I'm going to pick the dong. And so Alan Smith, who which Oriole uh, offensive player do you think is going to hit the most home runs this next week? Uh, just to give you a sense of how unfair this is for Scott, uh, for me to be picking anything that has anything to do with statistics. I did not know that 
lowercase w, capital R, capital C, plus, meant weighted runs created plus. And I still don't know what that statistic means. So God bless Anthony Santander. I'm sure he did very well. Um, but the uh, much more understandable dong category, love it, love it. I can really wrap my head around this. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, sorry with apologies to Scott. It's gonna be Gunner. You cannot take Gunner. I'll tell you what, if Gunner Henderson, jeez, <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble. Can I take some combination of Gunner Henderson and Stowers? How about that? I take I take the recently promoted guys. I don't I don't feel comfortable. I'll tell you what. I will give you I will give you Gunnar Henderson, Kyle Stowers, and Adley Rutschman. All right, the entire draft class of 2019. Let's do it. All right, you're gonna you're gonna take those three guys, Scotty. I've done everything in my power to be to be faithful to the process to be fair about this just you know for for uh full transparency in this last week the person that led the team led the team with two home runs um (laughs) but i am going to uh i'm going to select ramon urias who was hot as all get out and then cold as ice willing to sacrifice our love uh, as Foreigner would say. And I'm going to go back and say that he's going to get hot again and hit a couple of, of meaningful dingers in the Houston series. So I'm going to take Ramon Urias. You're going to take <laughs> Adley Rutschman, Kyle Stowers, and Gunnar Henderson. You didn't even have to give me Adley. It's going to be Gunnar and Stowers just between the two of them. I, you know what? I, I, I just don't. I don't want to live like that, Alan. I, I can't. I can't live like that again. All right. He, he came. He came back, and I, I looked into his eyes and I said, "You're right, Scott. I I did you wrong. I done you wrong, Scotty." Sorry, Scotty. <laughs> All right. So fantasy bosses, another bit of ridiculous. Uh, and so with that, we're gonna go ahead and see who this week was good, who was bad, and who was ugly. That's right, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to give way to Mr. Alan Smith. Alan, what was your good this week? It's, 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 you, you all have seen it. You've probably seen it multiple times if you're like me. Is that beautiful little video on everybody's Twitters. Adley Rutschman jumping on a piece of cardboard and sliding down a hill with a bunch of little leaguers. We already talked about it, so I won't go into much more, but come on. How could you not love that sort of like uh, it's 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 what we're supposed to love baseball for? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's uh, everything that's right about baseball. All right. What's your uh, good? My good this week is going to go to you know it's chalk, but my my good is also Adley Rutschman, but because he was a monster on on the field, right? He's so good at baseball. 
He had a 200 weighted runs created plus. That's twice the average player, by the way. Plus, he had an 11.5K percentage, which is the lowest on the team. You talked about his eye earlier. That continues to be incredible to me. And then, of course, Adley, the daily double. His slugging percentage was 571 this past week. And again, he only hit a, a single home run, right? So he was doing it all with the double. But that double. home run, oh my dear goodness, yes. that swing that he put on that one home run. Oh. I'll see it in my dreams. Uh, you know, when when I'm when I'm on emotional empty, I'm going to revisit that. Beautiful All right, stuff. so uh, that is the good. Who was your bad this week? I, my bad is, is is Brett Phillips. I don't understand. I'm sorry. What did, who? What did we do? What was the we 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 paid cash for somebody who we knew was out of options that wasn't really going to play. And that was actually blocking like interesting players from getting time, and then we DFA'd him. I mean, he 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 did pass waivers, and he's still in the Orioles system. But I don't understand any of it. What was the point of all of that? Can I offer a theory, please? I I think the Orioles were planning on making a move in the outfield, and the move didn't happen. And I, I think that know. Phillips was insurance for if and when that happened. Um, and I think that, that the other thing is that, you know, Scotty and I talk a little bit about the fact that Austin Hayes is an incredible player when he is healthy and that is not often enough. Yeah. So I wonder a a combination of, oh, hey, we're going to be losing an outfielder and Hayes is either hurt now or will be hurt in the next five minutes, you know, led them to say, who can we get for cash? You know, that fits a profile that we're comfortable with. It was the first domino, but it didn't hit anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Anyway, no, again, that's that's what a, just what a waste Jake's, of time. That's just Jake's uh, story that he's told himself. He seems like a nice guy. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, he seems like you know he seems like he fit right into the clubhouse. All those I, good things. I didn't really get it. To the period of him bagging groceries and being the friendliest guy doing it. There you go. What's uh what 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 pinged your bad? All right, my bad this week is going to look real bad at this point <laughs> because my bad. Is Kyle Stowers. And not like, oh, the guy's a bum, but like the fact that Stowers is having a rookie experience that is more typical and mm-hmm. one that we've been, I guess, unaccustomed to. Like, you know, Adley has come up and, and been everything that every catcher should ever have been combined. And now our expectation is like, well, that's that's of course right and good and just. And Gunnar Henderson will be the same way, so he should be here. And the fact that he's not is dumb because, of course, he's going to be just like Adley. Um, so the fact that Stowers is not, like, hitting balls into the windows of the, the Bremiseltzer Tower and the fact that he's not, you know, lighting the world on fire uh, is something we're ill-equipped to work with. So, you know, Kyle Stowers my bad for this week. He, he's batting at crisp 154. He had a negative 120 Weighted runs create a plus. Um, you know, it's a, it's just a bummer that he's not having more success. I'm high on him. I like him. I think he's going to be, you know, good. I'm glad he's here. Uh, it was just bad that it didn't work out this week. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the things about um, in, that, that I feel like in general that we should remember about this season, I guess, is that uh, uh, we are – in my mind, still totally playing with house money. 
And as far as, uh, like, that is concerned, if we can get people like him meaningful, high leverage, intense, actually competing for, you know, playoffs at bats and see how he does, great. Let's do that. Yeah. No, I love it. All right. Uh, tell me a little bit about your ugly this week. Uh, well, you know, I love the Little League Classic. I love the entire experience of uh, those kids getting the experience they did with the major leaguers. The only place I want to see George Bush pop up at this point in my life, it's in The Hague. That's 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 where I want to see him. If if he if we get to see former President George Bush anywhere, you know, here's the thing. And and let me let me get on my soapbox for one just second here, Jake. I feel a little bit like the Trump years are going to, for good reason, dramatically recolor our conception of what good and bad presidents look like, and our entire like previous history is going to be um, turned on its head. And that's correct. It should be. That man has plumbed new depths and bless him for it. Um, but I don't, I'm not really here for this George Bush redemption arc. I'm not here for it. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to say necessarily that just because there's been a worse president since then that we're all supposed to like forgive and forget in his dotage. And so I didn't love him popping up in Orioles. I, I understand, you know, baseball is a more conservative game than maybe Alan Smith would be, but, uh, didn't, didn't enjoy that. Can I can I posit a different worldview? <laughs> Please, I'm not getting me very far. So, um, yeah, boy, I hear you. Um, <laughs> I feel like there is there is a world history that should have been written that is different than than we got, mm. and I I you know always came down on the side of George Bush is. You know, one of the presidents with whom I have disagreed most vehemently while still wanting to have a beer with. Mm. And and I think that, you know, maybe not in The Hague, but um, I, I thought <laughs> I thought that world history was poorly served in the fact that George Bush did not become the commissioner of baseball and instead uh, became right. the, the president of the United States. And so I would like you to just like step into an alternate history, right? Yes. Where instead of running for president, George Bush accepts a position as the commissioner of baseball. Oh, that's beautiful. And and let me let me just say in that alternate history, I think that he probably would have been great at it. I think I think you're right. I think commissioner was exactly where he should have been. And and may I even go further to say beloved by baseball fans everywhere. I think that's probably true. I, and, 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 you know, he didn't. And so I think that our baseball experience and our um, <clears throat> existence experience was poorly served with the way that uh, reality happened instead of the story <laughs> that I've just written. And so I, I think that, that his appearance on the baseball stage is the best chance we've got in looking into that alternate reality. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I, I should just view his popping up there in Orioles uh, in the in the in the clubhouse as um, through a wormhole in which he was beloved by those players because of his long and successful tenure not being Bud Selig. 
Alan, he's doing the thing that he was actually meant to do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. How about you? What do you think was the ugliest thing you saw this week at Orioles uh, baseball? I, I, I think perhaps my historical analysis. No, um, my <laughs> ugly this week is um, the Orioles bullpen and bullpen-like things. And, and you know, I was originally going to pick a player, and I was looking at uh, looking suspiciously at Joey Crable. I was looking suspiciously at Cena Perez. <laughs> you know, I was I was looking suspiciously at, at Keegan Aiken. And then I started thinking about the way that the bullpen was handled and then the way that the bullpen handling was responded to by, by certain elements of the Orioles uh, fans. And I'll go back to something that, that you said earlier about, you know, in order for this, because I think you said it great, and I'm going to say this like 90 times over the course of the season. So I'm glad you said it here on, on Bird's Eye View so I can steal it and use it and feel good about it. But the, 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 in order for this to work, you know, the Orioles have to take one plus one and make seven, right? They have mm-hmm. to be more than the sum of their parts, and they have been for a great deal of the season. And this mm-hmm. week, the bullpen was not greater than the sum of its not parts. Not greater. And you can say that decisions that Hyde make, uh, made, you know, made things worse and helped um, result in some of the failures that we saw. And you can also say that that's you know some folks just served up meatballs in areas where they shouldn't. But we're unaccustomed to the Orioles bullpen letting us down. That sucked to watch. It sucked to watch people respond to. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. And so when you talk about the things that were ugly in Orioles baseball in the last week, I'll just say the Orioles bullpen and all bullpen related things. wasn't great. wasn't great. All right, so we, we have made it through good, through bad, and, sir, we have made it through ugly. Um, and so I think we should take a quick break and work on blowing the save. Last week, Scotty and I talked a little bit about the, uh, I'll, I'll just say my discomfort with the presence of, of uh, betting sites and, and, and organizations and their close relationship with Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, I don't want to rehash any of that, but you and I talked off mic last week or the week before. And, and you had something that you wanted to talk about that was very similar. So I'm just going to use this as a, a stepping off point and, and just hand you the microphone, my friend. What do you got for Well, um, I completely agree with general discomfort uh, with sort of the ways that maybe all of our professional sports leagues are getting in bed with all of this uh, betting nonsense. That seems very realistic, to, like very um, problematic, and I can sort of... <laughs> Begin to see all the ways that that leads to uh, all of this becoming a lot less fun uh, and a lot more, uh, a lot, lot darker in the not too distant future. But um, I am accustomed to every year um, uh, putting down a, a $10 bet at the beginning of the season um, in, in, a, in a legal way uh, with 
for the Orioles to win the World Series. Um, in my adult betting life, that, ha- that has not paid off just yet. Uh, but this year, for whatever reason, maybe I was feeling flush. I put down a $20 bet for the Orioles to win the World Series. Was there was there perhaps a beverage or two involved? <laughs> Can't say for sure. I can say, however, that the odds that I got at that moment when I placed the bet were 2,100 to 1. So uh, that means by my back-of-the-envelope calculations, that would be $42,000 payout on my $20 bet were the Orioles to win the World Series this year. That felt incredibly foolish when I made the bet, uh, or incredibly unlikely when I made the bet. It's now down to 320 to 1, uh, which has <laughs> dropped a full zero off of the previous betting percentages. Um, and it was as low at one point. Uh, you could get 250 to 1 for the Orioles to win the World Series. So my question for you is, how much emotional or actual hedging should I be doing with this bet? Oh, no, I, I think you, you should think about the, the ways you're going to spend that money. Great. I think I think you should you should be planning how you're going to spend. Excellent. It. Excellent. And and if for some reason, okay, just just saying, if for some weird reason you don't end up with that extra forty two thousand dollars in your pocket, seems inexplicable to me. But okay, go on. You can also um, plan the revenge that you're going to take on those that done wronged you, <laughs> uh, whether that be Brandon Hyde whether that be Mike Elias. And I think you need to take the Twitters to express exactly how you're going to exact vengeance upon them, upon their families, and uh, do that in a very healthy way. Let's see. I was going to say, this This does not sound like the uh, emotional hedge as much as it sounds like an emotional triple down, but okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Bird's Eye View. <laughs> Uh, it, up there in New York, in, in, uh, Baltimoreans territory, you may, you know, take a shine to thinking things through, to <laughs> being in touch with real emotions, to having some sort of reality. But here we say things loudly and often stupid. Excellent. So I've come to the right place. Great. We'll let it ride. And, um, I will start, um, cashing or, or writing checks that will certainly be cashable once the, uh, Orioles go on to win the World Series this year. You're going to write checks that the Orioles' body of work will be able to cash. <laughs> exactly right. And that, that is our show. Remember that you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is that you get your podcasts. So please do subscribe. Uh, come back. Check out, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to Google Podcasts, go to Spotify, go wherever else you go. But make sure when you do go there to use whatever rate and review system that they have for their particular podcasting worlds, because it does actually uh, help get these excellent words out to more eardrums. Earballs? What, what's our phrase for that? Earholes. Earholes, excuse me. I learned that on Baltimoreans, sir. It's a fact. Yeah, you know. Uh, and also, generally, like, feedback is lovely. Come and get social with us. You can contact us at uh, contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. We're on the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. Before we go any further, Alan Smith. 
Tell me where I can find your show. Tell me where I can find you on the internet. And tell tell me what bush I need to hide in so that I can peer into your window at night. Um, the I'll answer those in reverse order. There is a lovely, uh, maybe slightly prickly pine tree at my window right now that looks like it would be a wonderful host. Uh, I am on, I'm splitting time between at B morons when I'm watching baseball and at my A Smith for our time handle uh, on the Twitters. Um, and here's the, here's the dirty truth. I don't actually understand how we produce our show when we do do it. So uh, your best bet is to tweet at Sam Dingman um, repeatedly and loudly asking him where new episodes of Baltimore Ons are and how to find them because I haven't the foggiest. Alan, in, in all seriousness, Baltimore Ons is my absolute favorite Orioles podcast. Uh, I love listening to you uh, and, and Sam work your way through how you feel about the Baltimore or, uh, Orioles. It very often helps me work out how I feel about it. Um, but also, you know, getting to know you guys and, and being able to, to watch you guys do the incredible work that you've done over the last 10 years is one of the things I enjoy most about, you know, doing this project. I meet fantastic people who share you know, the same kind of passions of following the team, of being content creators, of being overall, you know, thoughtful and, and creative people. Um, it has been a pleasure, sir. Thank you for all of the uh, copious hours of enjoyment uh, that I have I've been able to enjoy. And thanks for for doing crap like this. Thank you for having me. And just like a a a, a, a very sincere note on that point, the, many I guess many years and an entire family for me ago, um, Jake was lovely enough to allow me to crash on his couch after an Orioles baseball game where I made it all the way down from Brooklyn to watch. I, I think it was us losing the playoffs. Um, but that sort of like open house, open heart thing is not something that you expect from starting a silly podcast and the ability to know people like yourself and be able to connect in real life ways um, beyond our love of the Orioles is really a, a beautiful and amazing thing. And I appreciate it very much, um, even more than I appreciate the, uh, gosh, we've probably been talking for an hour and a half now, huh? Uh, whatever this podcast was. But Jake, I have a question for you before I let you go. Okay, I'm listening. Jake, what do you call Henry Arudia when he guest stars alongside Patton Oswald, Will Arnett, and the great Peter O'Toole in a 2007 animated classic. Um, I have no idea, and I'm, I'm really disappointed because I wanted to get this right. What what do you call Henry Rudia when he guest stars alongside Patton Oswalt? Henry Ratatutarutia. Oh, and good night. My goodness. <laughs> and with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. You're still here? It's over. Go home.
Go.